0: Go ahead and grab your copy of the scriptures. We're going to be in Psalm 77, Psalm 77, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, my name is Peyton Coker. I'm so grateful for Pastor Lewis and Ashton and the team just uh, welcoming me here tonight to the bridge, to Midwestern State, to Vernon College, to uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, wherever you're coming from tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, as we as we gather together to lift high the name of Jesus, we're going to turn now to his word. And uh, over the next couple weeks, I'm going to be with you guys as we, uh, as we come together on Tuesday nights. So I want to uh, really speak to something uh, that at the beginning of the year, we all kind of do, right? January 1st rolls around, we've got to figure out this idea of resolutions. That we, we get to 2022 and we, you were maybe like me and you were making some resolutions about some things that you may need to change. Uh, maybe, maybe you want get, to get in shape and look, look good for your boo. Uh, that, you're, that you're trying to get that date by Valentine's Day, right? I uh, say so you're going to lose 10 pounds. Uh, or, or maybe you're like, oh man, I really, I really ought to, to study harder in, in school. Uh, or maybe, maybe I should be a better friend or should do this or do that. But there comes a day mid-January called National Quitters Day. And this is not my favorite holiday, but it certainly is something that I incur every year, and I certainly did this year, that those resolutions that I was making about an outward difference, an outward change in my life didn't come to fruition. I had quit, given up. And so now uh, it's time for a redo, just like, uh, just like those kids that you may play pick up basketball with at, uh, here at church, or if, you're, uh, if you've got younger siblings that when y'all are engaging in a game, maybe, uh, maybe over Christmas, you're playing some board game, or y'all are hanging out outside doing something, uh, and then you beat them, they ask for a redo, a, a restart. No, 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 let's redo that. Well, tonight and uh, next week, I want to tackle this idea of a, a redo, a spiritual redo redo. And so as we turn to the scriptures in Psalm 77, we're going to find, we're going to discover a word tonight. Uh, uh, and next week, we're going to discover two words that begin with this prefix of re, to do something again, re. I'm now, I'm, I'm from Bossier City, Louisiana, and uh, we, we speak more Cajun than English there, but I do know a little bit of saxophonics that this prefix re means to tell us, it's telling us to do something Again, and so we turn to Psalm 77, and as we're going to uh, discover in just a moment, the word that we're going to see tonight, this path uh, to a redo, this path to a fresh start, uh, a redo now that, hey, it's already February, y'all. One twelfth of the year of 2022 has gone behind us, and maybe we need to figure some things out tonight that would change the trajectory of our year, perhaps even our, our eternity, that uh, tonight, this first word is going to be remember. Remember that you would recall something in your past that you would remember. And here's the takeaway truth tonight. I've got four points for us tonight, but it's building all to this one takeaway truth that you can walk out the doors with and that I hope that you'll be meditating on and thinking on over the next uh, days and weeks, uh, or days and up into uh, next week. And here's the takeaway truth that remembering who God is and remembering what He's done. Causes or eliminates, it emboldens, and it inspires. Remembering who God is and what he's done, eliminates, it inspires, and it emboldens. We turn to the scriptures in Psalm 77, and uh, we we get to this psalm. And maybe uh, you're a Bible scholar, uh, and you are reading down ahead of me, and you see that this is a psalm uh, of Asaph. That Asaph was a guy, uh, as the Scripture records in First and Second Chronicles, that. This is a man that was a Levite, and a Levite uh, uh, dispatched to David to be uh, someone who leads worship. And so uh, Asaph is writing this, and he's much, uh, much like the guys that you and the ladies that were singing just a moment ago. They were people that would write songs, that they would sing songs and uh, put these words to lyrics to make beautiful music and ascribe worship to God. Asaph uh, was one of these guys. He's the worship pastor, if you will, uh, for King David. And you expect these guys, these Levites, these worship pastors to ha- kind of have it all together, right? That th- these, these people should be the godly people. They lead us in song each and every week. But hey, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a pastor in, in Plano, Texas, and I'll be the first to admit uh, that I'm broken and I need Jesus and I need, I need some help. And so this is, this is a peek into Asaph's diary, uh, this, is a, this is a time where he's being vulnerable. He's being really honest. And so I ask that, uh, that as, as we read the scriptures tonight, that you'll lean in and listen up because I'm confident that remembering who God is and what he's done will eliminate something in your life. It will embolden something in your life. And it will inspire something in your life tonight. We read in verse, verse one, it starts out like this. Asaph says, I cry aloud to God allowed to God and he will hear me circle that word will he will hear me in the day of my trouble i seek the lord in in the night my hand is stretched out without wearying my soul refuses to be comforted and when i remember god i moan uh, when i meditate my spirit faints selah that, that word means to dwell on this or think on these things. I've got a question for you. Just as we're, as we're engaging in this conversation, what do you do uh, when you're desperate? What is it that you do? How do you respond to a time that causes maybe some great stress in your life? Or, or, or what do you do when maybe you don't get your way? Uh, you, get, you get some feedback that maybe from a friend that you're like, oh man, that, that kind of stings. It's not what I wanted to hear. What do you do when You're desperate. This this uh, this author, Asaph, here is illustrating something for us tonight. That uh, point number one tonight, as we're going to see, is that we are to have faith. Have faith even when we're not feeling it. Have faith even when we're not feeling it, look back with me. He, uh, uh, Asaph here is crying aloud through verses, this, uh, this moment of great distress. And in preparation for this message, there's, uh, there's some uh, conversation around what is actually happening in Asaph's life, and uh, uh, whether it's a one certain circumstance or another. But uh, the, fact that, the fact of the matter is, Asaph is desperate. Something had gone on in his life that's causing him to lament, to causing him some great pain. And he's really bearing his burdens. He's revealing the inward state of his life and his mental state onto the pages of what we now hold as, as Scripture. And he's being brutally honest. That he's, he's saying, God, I'm, I am in a day of trouble. And then whenever I stretch out my hand to you, I am weary. That my soul, it refuses to be comforted. And I want to be real sensitive tonight because uh, some, some theologians and some commentators on this passage would say this is Asaph describing a moment or a season of, uh, of depression. And Maybe you walked in the room tonight and you maybe have a clinically diagnosed uh, mental health illness, and I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not an expert in this area. Uh, I don't know all that goes on into the brain chemistry. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. What I am going to comment on is this idea that faith uh, should inform our feelings. That when we're, when we're not feeling it, we should remain faithful. This is what Asaph does, because look to whom he's turning. That, that in verse one, I had you search, circle, he will hear me. Asaph, though he's in this dire, this, these dire straits of his life, he is petitioning the Lord. I brought, uh, I brought some of my shoes with me, to help kind of illustrate this point because I think there's, there's some beauty in some old rugged shoes. I, I got these shoes about three years ago, and as you can see, there's nothing special about them. They're worn out. Uh, this, these laces had been replaced probably twice now. Scuffs on them, no grip, beat up, broken down. And they smell quite awful. So I'm going to set that aside. That uh, These shoes are kind of a good symbol for me as I, as I recall what, has, what God has done in the past couple years of my life. I was talking to Pastor Lewis earlier that uh, just this past Sunday I celebrated, unbeknownst to me, uh, I celebrated three years at the church that I've been given my life to. It's pretty cool that I've had these shoes since day one of me serving at, at Prestonwood Baptist Church, and I can remember all the moments and all the things that God has brought me to. But I also remember uh, the pain. I remember the the moments of great distress, the moments that had me feeling scuffed up, where my laces were broken, where I'm beat up, bruised, and broken. That my year of 2021 would be described in perhaps perhaps three words. Uh, that is a roller coaster that's one of pain, and it's that uh, of cancer. You see, in the year 2021, God had led me uh, through, through this season. And uh, in my family's life, we had gone through some really tough situations, some really desperate situations during, uh, I say it's a roller coaster because I began the year uh, fulfilling a dream that I'd, I had become a pastor. Like this was something I had longed to do. I'd been called to ministry. I'd, God had been gracious to me and he provided an oppor- opportunity for me to step into this calling. And so I'm, I'm riding high. This is awesome. And then I get a call. Uh, It was the end of April, and I was preparing for what's called an ordination uh, meeting. This is kind of like an interrogation of older, wiser men. There's these pastors on staff that talk to and ask questions to these younger men to really affirm their ministry and, uh, and confirm that, hey, this is God's man for the job. This is a big moment in my life. I got to this moment, and I was about 30 minutes before this interview, where I was sweating things out. I was going over my notes one last time, really dreading what questions that people could ask me. And I get a phone call, and my phone lights up, and I see that it's that it's my stepmom calling me. And in that moment, I, I I pick up the phone and I answer, and she's weeping. She she through her tears with a broken, uh, with a with a weak voice, tells me. The worst news to, to that day that I'd received that my dad, her husband, uh, had di- been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that as I'm, I'm preparing for this great thing that God had called me to, how, how could this happen? How could this desperate situation, how could this pain and suffering come into my life? What, why? Why, God? Maybe you're listening to me telling this story tonight and maybe you feel like these shoes Maybe you resonate with this story that, there, that this past year or this past season of your life had been one of suffering, one of great distress or desperation. Uh, I've turned to the scriptures time and, t- time and again for some help during this time, because like Asaph, uh, I, I've been honest with the Lord. I've told him some things that I'll never repeat to anybody else, that, I, that God, I, I, I've testified to, my soul refuses to be comforted, that when I remember you, I moan, and when I meditate, my spirit faints, but... The good news here is that Asaph has given us a, a, a really good insight that we should have faith even when we're not feeling it. Maybe you're, maybe you're not going through that deep of a season right now. Maybe, uh, maybe you're just going through kind of the mundane life of Monday to Friday, taking 18 hours. You just started back school, and you're just, it, it's just grind mode for you. You've got a part-time job. You're serving at the bridge. You're on the B team. You're doing all these things, right? And, and you're just not feeling it. I want to encourage you tonight that, uh, that we're going to see some really cool truths here as we continue this passage. So uh, don't, don't feel like you're checked. Please don't check out on me if you're not going through a desperate time in your life, because this is also something for all of us to take with us tonight. That Point number one, that we're to have faith even when we're not feeling it. But Asaph, he continues going down to uh, verses four through 10. He uh, continues detailing uh, his, uh, his kind of prayer journal. He's writing down that which had come true in his life and his experiences and his emotions. And, and, and just as an aside, I, I like to chase, chase some rabbits sometimes. But, uh, but just as an aside, this is an okay thing to do. That God, he knows your heart. He knows your intention. He knows your thoughts. And this shouldn't scare you from telling God how you feel. It should invite you. To do that, that as you're reading the scriptures, as you're studying, as you're at church, uh, be honest with God. He already knows. But there, there comes to there comes a, a turning point in Asaph and uh, say Asaph's life as he's uh, writing this down. He's carrying the pen, and once you get uh, get to verse eleven and eleven through fifteen, we see things change. I will, he says in verse eleven, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. "'Yes, I will remember your wonders of old, "'and I will ponder all of your work "'and meditate on your mighty deeds, "'for your way, O God, is holy. "'What God is great like our gods? "'You are the God who works wonders. "'You have made known your might among the peoples, "'and you with your arm have redeemed your people.'" Asaph, something, something had changed in his life, that as he's detailing all these, all these problems that are causing great distress and maybe even a depressed state in his life, he's come to a place where uh, remembering God had gone from something that causes his spirit to faint, but it, and then it causes him to worship, to rejoice. That as he's remembering these things, he's able to look back and see the hand of God at work in his life. And so maybe tonight, this is the first time in some time that you've really thought about what God has done in your life. That there's a, there's a proverb, uh, not, not in the Bible, just as a just kind of a common saying that hindsight is 20-20. I think that's true, that, that as we look back in our life, if you're a Christian in the room and uh, you can look back and you can trace the hand of your creator at work, that he's carried you through some tough seasons. Maybe you're like me and your family has, has gone through a cancer diagnosis. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a divorce in your family. Or, or maybe a broken relationship. Maybe it's a sin habit or hang-up that you just can't shake. And it's been years, it's been years since, you were be able, since you've been able to find freedom from that. There's beautiful things that can come from remembering what God has done. Because point number two tonight, we've got to, we've got to deal with some bad news on our, on our part. Point number two is remembering eliminates entitlement. One of the biggest uh, problems or the biggest uh, disgruntled uh, uh, remarks that I hear from older adults that uh, are at our church is uh, that, y'all, you, you young adults, you college students, y'all just are entitled. Y'all feel like y'all deserve everything from, from us, that uh, you come home from college or you act in such a way where you just, you, you just are soft and you expect things to, life to be handed to you. You're just entitled well, uh, in a loving, in the most loving way that I can, I try to push back on this because I feel called to this generation. That young adults and the, the, this generation in which I find myself, that uh, my wife and I, we, we feel called to do ministry uh, with you. That this, that this room is full, of this, that these churches that, uh, that we, we're a part of, that back in Plano and here in Wichita Falls, that there are world changers here in the church. That the future of the church hitting tomorrow it, it is actually right here before uh, my eyes. That I see uh, a bunch of people that will do great things for the kingdom of God. We just don't believe it yet. And part of the reason that we may not believe it yet is because we've got some, uh, some residual effect of entitlement in our lives. This is not what Asaph is, is detailing here. Because what does he say in verse 13? That your way, O oh God, is holy. Nowhere in these verses does he speak to his, uh, his uh, need or his, uh, his deserving of this treatment because that's what entitlement is, right? You, you, des- you feel like you deserve something, that, that you deserve some good things coming your way. That, that promotion that, that uh, you certainly did not own or earn, you feel like you deserve. That, uh, that, that A on your test that you didn't study for, you feel like you deserve, though you, you studied not one lick. You feel like you deserve uh, d- deserve that 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 relationship, even though uh, you haven't put in the work to pursue uh, that young later, that young man. That this sense of entitlement can be uh, can be uh, detrimental to our spiritual growth. And uh, as I was as I was preparing this message, I was thinking through. I'm like, man, I, I really don't feel like I'm all that entitled. Like, I, I, like what is what is entitlement? Because I don't I don't feel like I struggle with that. And then. Oh, I, hopped on, I hopped on Google and I'm researching this and the first thing that pops up is five signs that you may be entitled. And y'all, I'm gonna be honest, uh, your boy got convicted about all five of these. And so I'm gonna read them to you tonight and maybe, uh, maybe you'll be, about, be like me and you'll be like, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe I do struggle with entitlement. Number one of five signs you may be entitled is that rules are optional. That you read, you read a set of rules or you read the terms of agreement and you're like, ah, whatever, that doesn't apply to me rules become optional. Number two uh, sign that you may be entitled is that you demand special treatment. You demand special treatment that when uh, you walk into, uh, walk into a restaurant, you demand to be seated right then. That whenever, whenever you walk into a room, you, accept, you expect people to flock to you just because you're awesome. That you expect special treatment. I experienced this uh, not too long ago. Peyton and I, uh, my wife, uh, my wife's name is Peyton. Uh, by the way, I, I promise I I stopped using uh, using speaking about myself in the third person in middle school. Uh, it was a long time ago, I've repented of that. My wife is named Peyton, and Peyton and I, we were in the DMV down down in Waco, changing her license over from a Louisiana license to a Texas license, and there's no there, there's not a, a great equalizer quite like the DMV. These, these people behind these desks, they don't, they don't, they don't play no games. They ain't, there is no special treatment handed out. That as we walked in, we took our ticket, we sat down, we waited what seemed like forever. And I don't believe in purgatory, but DMV, the DMV is making me reconsider. And as we're waiting and the, to, the clock is ticking, we're waiting, uh, we, we see this person that just finally gets fed up. They're over it. They're throwing up their hands. They're going up to the desk like, I, I, what is happening? What is going on? Why have I not been seen yet? You know what the reply was? Sir, take your seat. It's like, oh, snap. That that sometimes special treatment uh, is demanded, and this is a sign of entitlement. Uh, number three, and we got to get rolling, is uh, you feel sorry for yourself a lot. That uh, a sign that you may be entitled is that you just you feel, you feel sorry for yourself. Things didn't go quite your way. You feel sorry for yourself a lot. And number four kind of goes hand in hand with that, that you feel like you deserve better. Uh, you deserve better than what you're receiving. And then number five, uh, that you uh, number five sign that you may be entitled is that you complain when you don't get your way. And you complain when you don't get your way. But here, here's what the, what the psalmist Asaph is trying to communicate to us tonight that there is a cure for entitlement. The cure for entitlement is remembering who God is and what he's done and, uh, and who God is and in light of who he is, who we are. He just uses a descriptive word of God, an adjective that he possesses that speaks to his character, and that is the word holy. Verse 13, he uses the word, uh, our, our God is Holy. If you've been in church some time, for some time, like, like myself and like Ashton was sharing, you've probably heard this word holy uh, a lot. This is kind of a word that us Christians use. But here's how, here's how I think about the word holy. That to be holy is to be set apart. It's to be, it's to be a, of moral perfection. This is a standard that you and I, that we, we can't meet on our own. You and I fall short of this 10 times out of 10. But when we speak of God's holiness, sometimes I think we can make an overcorrection or we can mistakenly, uh, we can uh, can perceive it or receive it a little differently than what it actually is. That the word holy does mean set apart, but it does not mean uh, far apart. That God being holy is not distant from us. He's different than us. The, the scripture, he lays, lays it out, lays out a gospel, this good news of a God who's drawn near to sinners that intervenes on their behalf so that they may find redemption, redemption for their souls. This is a God, this is a holy God uh, that's drawn near, not a holy God who's distant. And so maybe tonight, this, this is the night that you, you need to hear some good news that, uh, that God loves you, that he's holy uh, and you're not, but he loves you in spite of your faults, That we continue and that you can remember uh, and remembering eliminates entitlement. Sometimes sometimes us Christians, we struggle with short-term memory loss. Uh, I'm a Disney guy. I love Disney movies. I'll own that. That's a, com- that's a confession, just me being vulnerable to you tonight. Uh, I love Disney movies, particularly uh, I love uh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is my jam. I love, I-, I love Finding Nemo. One of the best characters on it is uh, Dory, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. Right? This is, a, uh, this is the fish that can't remember what you just told her 30 seconds ago, much less what she ate for lunch a few hours ago. That this, uh, that this struggle that she has is that of short-term memory loss. And I think that if we're not careful, Christians in the room tonight, that we can struggle with, with that same thing. That if we have this sense of entitlement in our lives that well, we deserve something, we deserve the good, the good treatment, we deserve the blessings of God, that we can become calloused uh, to, uh, to a good God by His grace, pouring out His blessings on us that we can become uh, entitled and say yeah of course god's blessing me in this way don't you know all the things i've done for you oh god that sometimes uh, we we have a few reasons that we forget maybe it's maybe it's pride you take you take pride in your religious activity i appreciate ashton's uh, ashton's authenticity saying he was a part of a church for quite some time that that even despite these things he 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 come to a place that he realized that he was broken and that he was dead in his trespasses, that he was a sinner. That sometimes pride keeps us, uh, or causes some short-term memory loss in our life. Perhaps you're you're like me, and your life is just busy. That you're rolling from about 7 a.m. to about 11 p.m., and you're just busy. You're hustling and bustling, going to your classes, meeting with your friends, doing your homework, working part-time. You're doing all these things, and you're just busy. When people ask you how you're doing, you say, oh, man, I'm just busy. How are you? And we wear busyness sometimes like a badge of honor. Like that is not what people are asking. They're like, "How are you personally doing?" Busy is a non-answer. But let me not get on that soapbox. But sometimes we let busyness get in the way of, uh, or we we let busyness uh, cloud our 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 vision of seeing what God is doing in our life. But last and not least, another reason why we might struggle with short-term memory loss memory losses. Uh, some sort of secret sin in our life, like that, that something that we've, that we've indulged in secret that no one in the whole world knows about, that we've been holding on to, that it's been in the dark parts of our soul, that these things that you do that, are, that you know are not part of God's plan, that in, as a result, you may feel, the, you may feel uh, a, a, just a weight of shame and guilt that these things can cause us to to become callous and have short-term memory loss and and reject the blessings of God in our life. But tonight, here's here's some good news, is that uh, remembering who God is and what he's done, it eliminates entitlement. And he invites us to right relationship with him. Asaph sets his pen down uh, and, and David seemingly picks it back up in Psalm 124. And so, if you have uh, your copy of the scriptures, I want to invite you to Psalm 124 because David now he's picking up where Asaph kind of left off and he's picking up on this idea of remembering. And as you're turning uh, to Psalm 20, uh, 124, rather, uh, you may see that the subtitle here is that, uh, that this psalm is a psalm or a song of ascent. A Song of a Sin is something that was written and put to music so that uh, people who are traveling across Israel to Jerusalem would stop at these uh, roadside monuments or altars or places where they would stop and worship the Lord and they would sing these songs that are often brief as a remembering and as a, uh, as a, as a reminder and often as a recalibration to remind them what they're doing as they make this pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem. And we pick up in, uh, in verse 1 of Psalm 124, and David says this, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. But blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. For we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Tonight we're talking a lot about remembering and here David is recounting uh, for the nation of Israel all that God has done in uh, their life as a nation. He, he's recalling different times in which they, uh, they, that, uh, God used Moses to lead them out of bondage of slavery from, from Egypt. He's recalling times and moments where they'd gone through great suffering, great pain, and they'd need provision, and God provided manna from heaven. He's recalling these times where they had a lot of enemies run, uh, running up against them, but God made a way out. He remembers what God has done for them. And then he testifies to it. And so here's point number three tonight is that remembering emboldens testimony. Remember, uh, remember our point tonight. I'm saying the word remember a lot. Uh, remember that, uh, that remembering who God is and what he's done, it eliminates, it emboldens, and it inspires. Here we see it emboldens our testimony. Our testimony is that which is that story that God is writing in your life and in my life, that thing that nobody can take away, the thing that He's, that he's at work even in this moment right now. He is wanting to write a, a story for His glory that you would yield your life to Him and walk in step with the Spirit in such a way that your pain would become power. That your weakness would become become Christ's strength. That uh, though when uh, we, when uh, when we are weak, He is made strong, and that we can have peace in the time of trouble because He's with us. And so, uh, I've got some homework for you tonight. I know that you came to the bridge and you were kind of wanting some some time away from homework, but uh, I'm going to invite you to join this uh, join uh, in me in the or with me in this as a challenge. That your homework tonight is to fill in the blank. Your challenge tonight is to write your own Psalm 124, to, to take the words here in verse one that if it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, blank, if, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, then, uh, then I would not have overcome this temptation, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, I would not have gone through, I would, not have been, uh, pers- I would not have persevered through this financial difficulty. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, on my side, I would have not gone through, uh, I, I, would, I would have taken my own life even. If it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, I would not be standing here today praising him with arms wide open and saying, Christ be magnified if it had not been for the Lord. Fill in the blank. That's, that, that's your assignment tonight, that you would take a moment before your head hits the pillow tonight and just recount, just remember all that God's done in your life. That maybe you would take some shoes and, and look at them like, like I've done in the past and look at these scuff marks and see, man, that, that was really awful but God was there with me in it. That in this broken relationship that, uh, that, that has left me worn out and weary, that God used for, for my benefit, that you and I would convince ourselves we would truly believe what Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine 29 says, that God works all things for the good uh, of those who uh, love him and are called according to, to his purpose, that you know the present sufferings that you may have today May be a great setup for the power of God to be working in and through you, even today. So I, brought, I don't want to leave you with these old beat-up, raggedy shoes that as we're talking about uh, remembering emboldens our testimony, uh, I think that uh, God does something cool. I think he, he does something cool in, in bringing out and bringing out a new pair of shoes that my wife, is he, she spoils me. Uh, we, we, got some, we got some new kicks of the day. Uh, and, and these are cool, right? These are the Air Force ones. I don't own Nike shoes, but these are, these are great. And I was like, they fit my foot. Is, this is gonna be great. That uh, as we remember, it emboldens our testimony that God, uh, he can use our pain. He can use the, the scuff marks and uh, the torn up laces and the beat down and the holes uh, in, in our shoes and restore them. And he can give us a new story that maybe tonight you're, you're hearing me talk about remembering God and you're like, Peyton, I, I can't remember God. Uh, I don't know God. How could I possibly remember him? Well, tonight the invitation to you at, at the end of the night is that you would be so bold that uh, you would raise your hand uh, as, uh, at, at the end of the night, at the end of the message and say, you know what? I need prayer. That, that as, as you are, are sitting underneath the teaching right now, you're like, you know what? I, don't, I, I need God in my life. And that there are there are staff members here that Ashton, Pastor Lewis, myself that we would love to speak with you about how you can come to saving faith in Christ because He's paid it all for you, and He's giving He's giving you a new chance. He's giving us giving us this new uh, this new opportunity represented by these new shoes that are squeak clean. They white. They ain't got no stains on them. Uh, this price tag though, this this price tag. I Look, they're from Uptown Cheap State. We don't, we don't pay full price in the Coker house. But this, this price tag does represent something for us. That this new story, this new story does come at a price, but it's a price that you don't have to pay. That this thing has been paid in full all, all by Christ that your story can be emboldened, that, that remembering what God has done, you can testify and say, you know what? If it had not been for the Lord, that, uh, that I would have been swallowed up alive. Kindled, their anger was kindled against us. The flood of life would have taken me away. The raging waters, but blessed be the Lord. That leads us to point number four tonight as the band is taking the stage. The point, point number four tonight is that remembering inspires worship. Remembering inspires worship. Worship, that these shoes here in this price tag, that this, is a, this is a gift, the gift of salvation that's being presented to you tonight, that you can know God, that you can be forgiven, fully, freely, and forever forgiven of your sins, that though, though there's a holy God out there, he's not distant from you, he's right here pursuing you tonight, that all you have to do is turn to him by faith. That he's given you this, this new gift, he's represented by these new shoes, and these, this price tag has been paid in full. All you have to do is rip it off and receive it. And you receive it. This is not some super spiritual, like blind faith. This is just a reception that you receive it by faith. The scriptures say in Hebrews 11 that faith is the conviction of things hoped for, and that which is the assurance of things not seen. That you may not be able to touch faith, but it certainly is not a blind faith. That you come to a reasonable conclusion tonight that you're broken. That you need Christ. That you, that you need help. That you need redemption. That you've got to walk in repentance on some things. And so as we close, I'm gonna invite everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads just as a, uh, as a sign of focusing inwardly. Nobody looking around. Because I think there's two people uh, in the room tonight. The two people in the room tonight is uh, first, I, I think there's people that as I have shared the good news of Christ, this gospel message that you don't know God, that you've never come to a place that Ashton said earlier, that you have been bought back from your sins. You've never been redeemed. And so I'm not going to mess around. I, I, I kind of play the bold play. This is kind of the guy that I am. And so if that's you, if you've never received Christ in your life, would you just raise your hand? Right now, just in the stillness of this moment with nobody looking around, if that's you tonight and you've never received the free gift of salvation that all you have to do is trust Christ by faith, would you raise your hand? We'd love to pray with you at the end of the night. The second group of people, and I imagine this is most of us in the room because like Ashton's story is a much like myself, you've grown up in church, but perhaps Perhaps you've lost sight of what God's doing in your life. Maybe it's because of some secret sin in your life. Maybe it's because of a sin that somebody else has done for you, done against you. And brother or sister, if that's you in the room tonight, I'm so very sorry. But no matter the case, that this, is, this opportunity that we have right now is a moment of confession that as we remember what God has brought us to and brought us through, that we can tell, tell uh, him that we need him and we can tell others for healing. This is a beautiful thing about the church that we confess to God for forgiveness and we confess to one another for healing. And so tonight, if, if this is you tonight, that you can't remember all that God's done because there's been some sin that, sh- that, that you've been struggling with for some time and you just want help, You're just, you just want somebody to throw you a lifeline tonight that you just need some help, someone to talk to, to overcome this thing that's been holding you in bondage for weeks, months, or maybe even years. Would you raise your hand? If there's hands across this room, here's the good news tonight. You're not alone. You're not alone. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're unified by the spirit inside of us, knowing that we are all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we all need Christ. So thank you for your boldness to say, I need help. I wanna invite you that uh, men, if you raise your hand, come find myself or one of the male staff members, women who raise your hand, uh, you ladies would find an, a female staff member that, because we want to help you tonight that I won't, I won't hop back on 380 until I've talked to you. That's how much I mean it. And so as I, as I pray, I, ask, I want to invite you, that Christians in the room, you'd be praying for yourself, that you be recalling all that God's done in your life. And then a- after I say amen, we're going to sing one or two more songs. I want to invite you to, uh, to remember uh, who God is and let that inspire worship as we worship through song. Lord Jesus, we just praise you for who you are. God, we're grateful for you being faithful even whenever we least deserve it. That God, there's nothing that we could ever do or say to put you in our debt, but Lord, you so freely give us your goodness. You lavish your grace upon us and that even whenever we don't see it, even even whenever we can't see it, due to whatever's going on in our life, you are still good, you are still holy, and you're still loving. And you're pursuing us tonight. And I pray that tonight, that uh, as your word goes forth, that it wouldn't return void in the hearts and lives of uh, these men and women, these young adults in this room, that there will be lives changed by the truth that's been shared because, Lord, you want them to live a life of freedom. You want to li- we want to live a life that's a redo, a path to a fresh start, that you want to change someone's eternal trajectory tonight. So, Lord, we ask that you'd come Get your glory. Would you embolden those uh, who, who who are leading, uh, leading in this time of confession, leading in this time of worship? Would you embolden us to be uh, to be uh, to be honest with ourselves, honest with those around us, so we may walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? We love you, and we praise you. And we pray all these things in Christ's mighty name. Amen.